Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here for the latest episode of the Talk is Cheap podcast. I'm here with Daryl Slater. Um, you and I kind of say bring this up every week. Um, we, we wind up recording these podcasts later in the week just because of other obligations we have. And it turns out that it's always the right decision because... There's never a dull moment with this Giants team. There, there are probably three major things we got to talk about today. Um, Dang, they're about Daniel Jones. They're about Jason Garrett, and it's about James Bradbury. Pick, pick a, pick your t- story choice. Where do you want to start today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess we could probably just start with the. Let's start with the most recent thing, and then work our way backwards with Bradbury. And you're right. I mean, look, if we had done this, it's Thursday night right now. We're doing this. If we had done this, it would have been irrelevant by last now. Last night, yeah. it would have been totally irrelevant. So. Uh, a couple big things popped up today, and the and the second of those was this evening when James Bradbury was placed on the COVID list, and he he did not test positive for COVID. He was in close contact with someone outside of the Giants facility who did not Jason Garrett, and we'll get to that in a little bit. The chiropractor, actually. <laughs> yeah. So Dan Duggan. Yeah, and and so he he is on the COVID list, and and so it doesn't look like he'll he'll miss more than one game, but he definitely will miss Sunday night's game, which is a, a massive loss, huge. Uh, oh yeah, it's I mean beyond the you know imp- implications for like the secondary, he's been their best player on defense, if not the whole team, probably. You would probably you could the argue, whole team. Yeah. You could argue, yeah, he's probably been the best, most consistent, best player, most impactful addition. Certainly, he's pro he is definitely gonna be a Pro Bowler. He's pro- he might even be an All Pro. Um, and so you lose him. You already might not have Darnay Holmes this week. He hasn't practiced all week. I don't get the sense he's going to play. So you lose your nickel cornerback. And so that leaves you with one cornerback, which is a guy that for a lot of the early part of the season, we kind of made jokes about how he, like, it's a sign of, you know, how they're playing that, uh, they're, like the talent of the roster that he's in there. It's Isaac Yadam, who's played pretty well recently, but he hasn't had to cover the number one receiver. He's had James Bradbury and this, the, sa- the safety group to protect him. And now, um, I mean, just looking at the impact of this, I mean, on paper, like their only choice is really like they have to call up these guys from the practice squad, which are Quincy Wilson, who to his credit has NFL experience, but to his discredit was bad enough on the Jets that the worst team in the NFL didn't want to have him anymore. Um, so he he's an option and he'll probably play this week. I would imagine a decent amount of snaps, maybe if they can get him ready. They have an undrafted rookie in Jaron Williams. Um, ideally, you don't want to play those two guys, but you might have to. So then you what's going to wind up happening most likely. And you kind of wrote about this in your like initial news post. They're probably gonna have to move Logan Ryan to corner, which is 
what he played for his whole career before this year. But he, but part of the greatness about this defense this year is he's his ability to move around the defense. And now you're probably not going to be able to do that. Um, you know, Xavier McKinney got some time in the slot last week. He might get some time in the slot now. Um, Julian Love has been a safety all year. Uh, they might have to play him in the nickel. And then you have Jabril Peppers playing safety. I, I, they might get Adrian Colbert back from injury this week. Maybe like, so you're, I think they're going to go pretty heavy on safeties. Um, and the, you're going against a Browns offense that has kind of just been lighting it up lately. They've really come into a groove. They scored 42 points on a good Ravens defense the other day. Baker Mayfield has been great. Jarvis Landry's tough to cover. There's no Odell Beckham, but like beyond all the other stuff that we're going to talk about, this is probably the worst thing that could happen to them. Like even Daniel Jones potentially not playing. Like Daniel Jones, if he had played, would have been hurt anyway. Like we're going to get into that. But the point being like James Bradbury, like they don't have a replacement for him on the roster. Nope. I mean, and this is, this is a a huge deal. And uh, Jones doesn't play. Obviously you have like the whole week to kind of prepare for that. Now, now here it's Thursday night and the Giants didn't practice today because of Jason Garrett's situation. And so they're going to have one practice to basically figure out, okay, here's how we're going to adjust on the fly. And, um, and like you said, they're playing a Browns offense with Jarvis Landry and has, it has some threats and the Browns are what I look, just looked it up. They're tied for third in PFF's offensive rating. So they've been really good offensively. Baker Mayfield's having a really good year. And there is a chance he could pick apart this this secondary, this giant secondary, and that that's been suspect already in pass coverage throughout the year. For as good as for as good as uh, James Bradbury's been, you're talking about a giant secondary that's what uh, let's look it up. They're 21st in coverage in PFF. So um, Bradbury's been one of the better cornerbacks in the league, and they're still that bad. And Yadam is, you know, a serviceable player, but I think if you put Logan Ryan at the other corner, you figure okay, he'll probably cover the number one receiver, but I mean, Landry lines up in the slot a lot. So yep. what do you do with the, you know, with a nickel or the, if you're going to play nickel, are you going to put Julian love in there? He has cornerback experience. This is a big game. I think for Xavier McKinney, who's going to be asked to do a lot and play a lot of snaps. And you know, Jabril peppers will be the strong safety, obviously, but in terms of coverage, this is a kind of a prove it game for McKinney. They're going to need more from love. And I bet you, you know, like you said, you named it like basically every DB on the roster and they'll probably mix in guys. But I think if you're looking at the main five guys, I mean, you kind of helped me with this earlier when I was asking you who who do you think the starters are going to be, and so I think Yadam will obviously be the the one the one of the corners, right? I think Logan Ryan takes over as the number one corner for Bradbury. You're looking at Love in the slot, probably again. He's a converted corner whose whose safety's not his natural position anyway. Uh, and then McKinney, of course, at free safety with Ryan moving over because McKinney's the backup there anyway, and then Peppers at strong. So not ideal. Obviously not ideal to lose your best cover guy going against an offense this prolific. And and it all the three things we're going to talk about, not only is this the most recent thing to happen in terms of when we're recording this, uh, but it's the worst. There's no doubt this is the, this is the, the worst. The, the, the hardest to come back from, really, no, I would say. No doubt. Absolutely, yeah. no doubt. I mean, um, so th- this this is the one where you look at and say, geez, you know, this might be the final blow for them not really having much of a chance to win this game. And you talk about Darnay Holmes, who's, who's been spotty as a rookie in the slot, but you know, this will be a second straight missed game with a knee injury that it doesn't appear to be a minor uh, issue. Um, you know, he, 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 he played in Seattle, got hurt, and then um, didn't play last week and probably won't play this week. So they're going to have to find an answer at slot as well, even though Holmes has not been anywhere close to as good as, as Bradbury. So 
that's where they're at. And, and I think when that news dropped today, <laughs> this afternoon, uh, we were texting like, Oh man, this is bad. This is a, this is a bad deal for this team right now that it, it, it really, it feeds them. They're, they're in a must win situation, must win. And, uh, they probably won't win now. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've, we've talked a lot, especially in recent weeks, about how good Patrick Graham has been at, you know, making do with what he has. Like, this is this is going to be the ultimate test of Patrick Graham. Like, I mean, no, no one would blame him if the defense has a bad game. Well, he'll get all the credit in the world if they have a great game, which I just don't see a world where that happens. But, I mean, the NFL is a weird league. Who knows? But it's just funny. You know, I'm just thinking even just, like, having this conversation – for how high everybody was off the Seahawks win, you know, I, I was convinced they were going to win the division. I think most of the Giants fan base was. Everybody was talking about, you know, Joe Judge, best person of all time, not even coach, just the best human they've ever they've ever seen in their <laughs> lives. Um, you know, it's, it's just like everybody's raving. And now imagine if we get Daniel Jones back and, you know, the Cardinals, you know, they've lost three in a row. They look really beatable. And everybody's like, I, I mean, they're, they're even writers not at edge.com who are like planning, you know, their first playoff victory and how people should take them seriously as, you know, a team that can win. Yeah. I'm just, that's my point. I'm just, it's just funny. Like, and we've even talked about this on this podcast, like just how week to week this league, like just really is because just everything that could have gone wrong since then has, I mean, and I guess we we can get into the Jason Garrett thing now, I guess. Um, But I mean, there's a whole Daniel Jones situation. I mean, even Darnay Holmes being hurt, he was coming, he had his best game of the year against the Seahawks, the offensive line, had its worst game of the year, maybe, which is saying something with how bad they've been. And then, which is especially alarming considering how good they were the week before that. They allowed eight sacks. A lot of them had to do with Daniel Jones being banged up, but they were not good. Andrew Thomas was bad again. Like, it, the, the offensive receivers can't get open. Like, it's just like every, every, there was no reason to be negative about the team after that week. And I think you and I, we did try and temper it a little bit. We're like, all right, they still are only five and seven. Like they're they started one seven like this. If this wasn't the NFC East, we wouldn't even be talking about the playoffs. But well, I mean, um, what they did in Seattle in terms of winning with that little amount of offense was not yep. sustainable, regardless of who your no. quarterback was. I know, obviously, it's to be expected when you're playing Colt McCoy. Okay, you kind of win ugly, you win, win, win with you know a not prolific offense. You know that's okay and that's just to be expected. But it's not sustainable. It was never going to be sustainable. And and not only was their offense worse against the Cardinals, they had their fewest yards since 2013. And and their their offensive line was a sieve, and it was a disaster. So, you know they they were a mess against the, the Cardinals, their worst offensive game, the Giants by far this year, and that's saying something. And um, that's the one that we're coming out of the game. You look at it and say, "Geez, you know, there's a chance Jason Garrett's not back, uh, you know, next year." Well, we know he's not going to be around this week. Hopefully, <laughs> he's okay with with coronavirus and everything like that. But. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is this is a situation where he was in a prove it spot down the stretch, having to prove to Joe Judge that you know, at least in, in a realistic world, he should be having to prove to Joe. Maybe Joe Judge already says, "I'm bringing this guy back, no matter what." But I don't think it should be that way. Uh, big spot, three games left down the stretch. Show me what you got, and now one of those three, he's not going to be available. Yeah. Um... So just to just to reiterate, so Jason Garrett, it came out uh, this morning. I can't even remember the time. We're talk- doing this on a Thursday night. Um, earlier today, it was came out that he tested positive. And when you test positive for COVID, you have to be quarantined for 10 days. So he's going to miss at least this game. And then, I mean, uh, you, you have to hope that he doesn't have any symptoms and he's okay over the next 10 days. And then he can come back. But I mean, that's not even a guarantee. 
you've seen other guys in the league who have had a, a linger longer and stuff like that. Anyway, so he's not going to be coaching this week. And then in almost like poetic, I don't know, like Freddie Kitchens is going to be the the interim offensive coordinator or interim play caller, I should say. So he's he's going against the team that just fired him. And I saw like Jarvis Landry was kind of talking smack about his old coach. And I don't know how how much Browns fans based on the reaction. Like, so Joe Judge was like effusive in his praise about Kitchens today. And Browns fans saw that and they were all kind of laughing about him as a play caller or whatever. But I mean, so anyway, so, you know, this has got you and I were both talking about this. and I have a story coming out on Friday about this. Like you and I both are in the same camp, and I think a lot of Giants fans are too. That Jason Garrett either shouldn't or shouldn't be back next year, or they at least should consider moving on from him after the year. There's always a possibility somebody hires him, and the NFL likes to reshuffle the deck with coaches. Um, and so, in in a way, you know whether it's fair to Jason or not, um, this is kind of an audition for Freddie Kitchens because I think he would be at or near the top of Joe Judge's list for the guys he would replace him with. I don't know how much of a hand. Joe had in like actually even like picking Garrett. I know John Mayer was a big fan of him. I know they wanted to bring in a veteran coach. Um, but if you look at the staff, Garrett's the only like glaring one that doesn't have a background with Joe Judge. Whereas Freddie Kitchens, he's known since 20, uh, 2005, I believe, yeah. um, is when they coached together at Mississippi State. There's like a video that's, that's made the rounds both when Kitchens was hired to the Giants and more recently where uh, Judge like told a story about when he was a graduate assistant at Mississippi State and they were going on the bye week. And Freddie Kitchens was like, I need you to come help uh, build a swing set for my daughters at my house. Joe Judge thought it was only going to be a one-night job. Then he would have the bye week. It turned out he was there every night until midnight, until Thursday. Um, and it's just kind of funny, like, that the tables have turned and, and that Joe's his boss now. But, like, the way he, like, glowed about Kitchens today just kind of reaffirmed my belief that, like, if they either moved on from Garrett or Garrett left on his own accord, like, Freddie Kitchens is a candidate to be the offensive coordinator, whether that's a good thing or bad thing. Like, that, that was the first thought I had. And this will be a, at least a one-game, maybe longer audition for him to either audition for this OC job or if if they keep Jason Garrett or, or if Joe Judge wants to hire another OC, a possible a different OC job for Freddie Kitchens. The one thing to remember in all this is that Freddie Kitchens hasn't really been a play caller at any level for that long. He was the Browns uh, running backs coach and 2018 and then midway through the year he was promoted to to OC when Todd Haley the OC and Hugh Jackson head coach were fired and then he continued last season in his only season as the head coach calling the plays so he's called plays I would I don't I looked at his resume and I didn't see any opportunity at the college level or previously in the NFL where he would have called the plays so he's really only done it ever for a year and a half a season and a half um <laughs> so it's not like he's some proven play caller but Here's an opportunity down the stretch for him to show either Joe Judge or another organization that he deserves another shot. Obviously, he, he his end goal here is not to be the Giants' tight ends coach forever. Um, that's not what he wants, and he wants to get back to maybe you know potentially being a head coach. I don't know if that's ever going to happen for him again, but he's, what, 46, something like that. So um, I'm sure he views this as, a, as an opportunity to not only help this team but to, to help himself, it, even if subconsciously he doesn't – you know he only views it like that. So – yeah, Jason Garrett has not been impressive. I, I have a hard time seeing how you know Freddie Kitchens all of a sudden is going to yeah, come yeah. in and be make I mean, I mean be be that much different or better. I mean, it's still the same personnel. Yeah. Especially that, that's what I was going to say. So it kind of goes into we'll get into the whole Daniel Jones topic, but like it's not like he's being dealt the best hand, which is why if he did a good job, it would go a long way. I'm sure, no um, doubt. But you know, it's so I I would uh, did, did went on a podcast with uh, like our Cleveland.com. I guess there were our sister site is what you would call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they like asked me like what I think the, if the offense will look different or like what it'll look like with Freddie kitchens. And 
I can't imagine it'll look very different than what we've seen. If Colt McCoy is the quarterback, which I think we both think he will be, um, it'll probably be the same offense they're running against the Seahawks, which is not a very explosive one. They're going to run the ball a lot with Wayne Gallman. Um, the defense is going to challenge them to take shots down the field, and they probably won't do it. But if you look at Freddie Kitchens' uh, history, like he, they threw the ball deep significantly more than Jason Garrett has with Daniel Jones at quarterback, though that's not saying much because they're, they're in like the bottom five of the league with Daniel Jones throwing it down the field. But like I, I won't imagine Freddie Kitchens reinvents the wheel. I know he has a reputation for trying a lot of trick plays. They don't always work. Um, there, are a lot of, there are a lot of moments from in terms of decision-making uh, when he was a play caller last year that left a lot to be desired. But I think one thing to point out is, you know, when he took over for Todd Haley, the off hit the offense like that second half of the year for the Browns was very good. Baker Mayfield was very good. That was his rookie year. And then the next year, once you add, which something people maybe don't think about as much, is once you add the head coaching responsibilities, that means you're also like dealing with like the situational things like fourth down and whether to go forward and whether to punt and whether to do a trick play and all that stuff, which is Joe Judge handles that part of it. So that maybe, you know, removing some of the responsibility from Kitchens is kind of what he needs as a play caller for a while. Yeah, I know. good point. Um, uh, I mean, who knows? Uh, I mean, all, all you can base it off is what you have in front of you. And he had 16 games last year that were pretty bad. So um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I would like them to see, see them take more risks, take more shots, especially, you know, with their season kind of on the line. Like technically they could lose this week and still be in the race. But um, they're, they're treading on, you know, thin ice right now because – if they lose the next two games, which is a very good possibility with the Browns and Ravens, and the Washington wins one of their next two games, which is likely since they play the Panthers next week. I forget who they play this week. It's somebody pretty good. Um, Seattle. Seattle, um, who's beatable certainly, but they're a good team. So if, if Washington wins one of those games and the, and the Giants lose both, then they're out of it. So um, it's going to be a tough road ahead. Uh, and I guess now it would be a good time to talk about the Jones thing. So yeah, I mean, just real quick with Freddie Kitchen, it's interesting. Yeah, that you, you know, you talk about how bad he was been last year, and that's sort of highlighted by the fact that, um, and we kind of touched on in the beginning how good the Browns have been offensively this year, and and just outstanding. I mean, I have a friend who lives in Cleveland. And he said they want to build a, a statue of, Kev, you know, jokingly Kevin Stefanski out front uh, <laughs> of the stadium. There, I mean, it's been a historically good year for the yeah. Browns in terms of, you know, not just. Um, I was looking at this, this up the other day. If they if they went out, they, they'll be what? Uh, oh, I guess they lost to the Ravens, so that they could only go twelve and four. But if they they could have had a shot at thirteen and three, and um, which would have been their best sixteen game record ever. Like this is a historically really good year for the the the, uh, the Browns. And you're talking about Stefanski, a guy who is a young up and coming. I think he's I think he's thirty eight and first year head coach. He hadn't been an OC that long in um in minnesota and they really hit the jackpot with this guy and that sort of highlights by, by the way they promoted freddie kitchens over hiring him the year before because they had interviewed him previously yes that's <laughs> right that's right yeah. and and in in it sort of highlights the deficiencies at least you know in, in in the eyes of browns fans and probably in re- reality too of what freddie kitchens was unable to do with baker mayfield last year and baker mayfield's really taken off this year in year three which is what jones need to do next year which is it's a story i have coming out tomorrow but anyway so i think that that sort of highlights and we touched on how good the browns have been off Offensively, um, but that sort of highlights the um, the stark difference between what Freddie Kitchens was able to do with this group, and especially with Baker Mayfield, and what Kevin Stefanski has been able to do, and why the Browns are so dangerous. Uh, not just because of their personnel, because Stefanski's really good. Uh, so dangerous for this this ailing uh, Giants defense on the Sunday night, particularly in coverage without. Bradbury and and like you said the the, the margins getting slimmer. I think if you look take a step back and look big picture here, I think people forget. Okay, it's not just Washington that the Giants are in in this dogfight with. 
mean, the Eagles are 4-8-1, and one, so they have 4.5 wins. Giants have five wins. Dallas has four wins. You've said it for weeks, and you wrote us something about it. Dallas, like, they're in last place right now, but in many ways, they, they have a, a really good path here. The 49ers, the Eagles, the Giants. Three teams with a losing record, losing records, and no one else among any of the NFC's teams has that easy of a schedule down the stretch. So, would you be shocked if the Cowboys won three in a row and won this division at seven? And I, I certainly wouldn't. So, um, that's something to consider too. The Giants are not just being squeezed from the top, but squeezed from the bottom, which is why, yes, mathematically they can lose and still be in this uh, in the race. But these games are all must wins because of how they're being pinched from pinched from the top and pinched from the bottom coming out of last week when they lost and laid an egg against the Cardinals and all the other teams won. It was a disaster week for the Giants. And it has a chance to snowball this week because of all these things that we're talking about. And, you know, funny thing, just as an aside about Stefanski, him and Joe Judge actually have like a random background because they both came up from the same like Philly suburbs. They both grew up at the same time. Oh, I didn't know Um, that. And uh, they like were on this freshman team at, I think, St. Joe's Prep uh, at the same time. And at, think Stefanski like won the quarterback job or whatever and then Joe Judge had to transfer for like family reasons to Lansdale Catholic and then they oh that's right every okay. game. but uh it, it's just funny that you know those two guys they're both pretty young uh they come from the same area and now they're going against each other I just, I'm reading this Stefanski graduate this is so troubling Stefanski graduated high school the same year I did 2000 <laughs> wow just, it, 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 what, what have you I, done with your life Daryl very little very little <laughs> compared to him or anyone but <laughs> But uh, and then Joe Judge too, two thousand. God, these guys—they they act like they're in their late forties, and I act like I'm in my late twenties. So, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which is better, but you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Make your own choice. Um, all right, so let's get to the thing we kept teasing that we'll talk about. Um, and weirdly, it would have been the biggest news of the week if not for yeah. everything that happened today. So Daniel Jones, I think everybody with eyeballs knew that this is what happened. So first, he played the game with an injured hamstring. He clearly was bothered by it. It's the first game he never had a rushing attempt in his entire NFL career. Um, he was was not able to move around the pocket, which contributed to a lot of the pressures and sacks that, that happened. I mean, the offensive line deserves blame too. But he clearly was just not himself. And then at some point late in the first half, we don't know exactly when he got hit, and he hurt his ankle on his other leg. So his hamstring, I believe, was on his right. Right, and his uh, ankle on his left. It turns out he sprained his ankle. Yeah, I think I remember the play. They mentioned it on the broadcast. Okay, yeah. Um, And then, so in the second half, he was, like, noticeably limping. It got worse as the game went on. Um, The the game got out of hand at that point, and then eventually they put in Colt Colt McCoy at the very end when it was already out of reach. And Joe Judge tried acting like on Monday that wasn't because Jones was hurt, and then he like kind of half-assedly admitted that it was later in the week. So now he has two injuries on two separate legs. Um, from Videos from practice on Wednesday did not look encouraging. There was no practice on Thursday, so they couldn't even see how he looked today. So now you only have a light practice on Friday and a walkthrough on Saturday to figure out if he's capable of going. I, the, even if he said, even if they determined he was okay to go, I don't see why they would ever play him, especially if he was already limited from the Hampshire. Like it, the way they've handled this is so weird to me. I know they want to win and they're not like tanking or whatever. And I, that's admirable. And Daniel Jones is really tough. And Joe judge keeps telling us about that, how he, he, if he, if his leg, if he didn't have a, one of his legs, he'd try and play or whatever he said, like he's a tough guy. We get it. But like, I, mean, I know Colt McCoy is not the most exciting player, but at number one, you're risking or injuring Daniel Jones further. I get that you need to evaluate him still. And this is part of that, but it's just not worth it. Like don't, don't put him out there. You know, live to fight another day. Maybe he'll be feel better in a week. Maybe you have to shut him down for the year. But if you do, you view him as the 
future of your franchise. You can't keep throwing him out there like this. Yeah, and he can't get, you know, there's so many different ways a guy can get lit up when he's a sitting duck back there. And we, you know, talk about how uh, mobility is a big strength of Jones. That That's out the window in terms of a not only a game planning thing, but also his ability to keep himself safe. Um, and, and if, you know, there's so many different ways you can get lit up. Concussion, you know, something could happen, but, you know, get hit and, but, you know, Tara's rotator cuff. It could be any of these things that, you know, if you're just going to stand back there in the pocket and not be able to move and you have a terrible offensive line, uh, you know, independent of the fact that how long, of how long you hold the ball, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just a massive problem. Um, and you, you have to ask yourself as a coaching staff, is a full speed Colt McCoy better than a half speed Daniel Jones? And they answered that question going into Seattle and said, yeah, that, you know, we're going to do this with Colt McCoy and they won the game. So they, they've shown that they can do it. They've shown that they can. Now, granted, they won that game with defense and they're not going to have James Bradbury this week, but they've shown the, that they can that they can beat a team, uh, a really good team like Seattle. Maybe that was a one-off. Maybe that was a fluke. I probably was, but, yeah. but uh, likelihood, in all likelihood it was. But uh, they've shown that they can that they can that they can beat a team while relying on defense, not a lot of offense, Colt McCoy, game manager, that whole thing. So I, I would guess that you see McCoy this week for any number of reasons, keeping Jones safe. And I think even from just the sheer effectiveness perspective, like even if they didn't care about keeping him safe, and they obviously do, um, even if that, you know, they were just going to say, all right, everything be damned. We're going to, we're going to play the guy who gives us the best chance to win. He might not even give you the best chance to win this week because of his lack of mobility. Yeah. I mean, I, so, I mean, we've talked a lot about this offense, like that, that's part of why, you know, I, we I've said that they can. It seems like they can compete with anybody. I just there's just so many things stacked against them this week. Between whether it's Colt McCoy or a 50 percent Daniel Jones and this defense losing Bradbury and you know having Freddie Kitchens have to step in, like this could be a blowout, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I I think I picked 2814 earlier in the week, but I I think that this is one that could really get away from the Giants, and you know, understandably so. Um, I, I, it's a perfect storm. I think if you look at the things that are most important in terms of the biggest impact, Bradbury would be number one, obviously not having Jones would be number two. And that just tells you how good Bradbury has been. Um, and then I think they can get by if it was just the Jason Garrett thing. I think they could, they could get by. Right. But the other two things are just such killers that I have a hard time seeing how they overcome it. Yeah. And you know, I don't know. It's just, the, like the, there's just so many, even if everybody was healthy, uh, like the, the, the offense is just such a problem. The receivers are just not getting open. Um, Darius Slayton. I, I don't know what the going on with him. I know tech Tolbert, you were on the tech Tolbert call. He, he says there's not an injury that's been bothering him. I don't know if I entirely believe that, or if they would tell us if there was, because ever since I think he started going on injury report is when he just hasn't been productive. I, I, you, you looked up the numbers. I forget what they were, but like the last, like since week, like three or four, or like I forget what the number was. He just I'll like has not, yeah, yeah, yeah. As we're, you know, he, I think he has been a guy who they thought would be a number one receiver for them, and hasn't been the case. And maybe he's just not that guy. You know, maybe he's just a, a complimentary receiver, and that's okay for a fifth round pick. But um, a couple things I think are at play here. Oh, you look at, you know, he had 129 yards in Week Five in Dallas, right? And and since then, well, I guess he's played every game, right? So. No, he's missed. He missed one game. So in his game since that 129 yards, he had 41, 23, 56, 6, 93, 0, 
at 14 and 31. So that those are his yardage totals. He hasn't really done much of anything uh, with the exception of the Philly game that the Giants won 93 yards since, since week five in Dallas. So um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been bad. I mean, he's a down the field threat and they don't protect long enough to be able to, to be able to get the ball down the field to him. And uh, maybe, you know, Defenses have figured him out, and he's drawing more coverage attention. There's a lot of things at play here. Um, the league adjusts to guys, and if you're if you're not good enough to adjust to the adjustments, you just never take off. And um, maybe his ceiling is just a guy who's you know a a complimentary receiver. I think if you look at his yardage per game totals, it's what, 53 last year and it's 48 this year. But that number is going to, as you pointed out, we were talking about this earlier in the week, that number is going to keep going down if he keeps having games like last, you know, a 31, a 14, a yeah, zero. Yeah, I mean, because most of those yards were in like the first four games or whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, he started, he came out 102, 33, 53, 48, 129. Those were his yardage totals yeah. the first uh, the first five games. And um so even even you look at he's he's really only he's only had uh, like three good games, three really highly impactful games this year, and uh, he just has not become the type of player and that they thought he would be in the, this year. I mean, three games of more than fifty six yards, not not really good. Um, so that's why it just underscores that you know number one receiver is a continued issue for for what they need to do going into the offseason. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I was on that Cleveland.com uh, podcast and they were they were like, you know, just running through preview stuff. And they asked me like, so who who would be like the biggest, uh, you know, most dangerous weapon or like who's the most impactful receiver they have? And I just kind of wanted to be like, pass, like none of them. Like, right, I mean, right. you look at Slayton, hasn't been like, hasn't scared anybody. Evan Ingram is probably the most talented of the pass catchers, but he also is the most problematic at the same time. Like he, he's talented, but he's also not talented at the same time, weirdly. Like he it makes so many mistakes and they barely even threw it to him last week. Golden Tate is, you know, just irrelevant and Sterling Shepard's reliable, but he's not like a threat. So like you said, it just goes back to, you know, the confounding issue of Dave Gettleman not adding any talent at, you know, as pass catchers this year. And that's really kind of like hurting them. I mean, it's hurt them all year. Like imagine how much better they'd be if they even had someone was capable of producing anything. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, they spent so much money on Tate, which was a terrible contract from the get-go. We've said it 600 times on here and elsewhere, um, you know, to replace Odell, Odell Beckham, that, that, that was a disaster from the get-go. And so you didn't think that they were going to invest heavily in, in, in the receiver position free agency this year, but um, they thought Slayton would take off and he hasn't, and he just hasn't. I mean, if he did, if he would become a guy who's a 900 yard receiver as a fifth round pick, that's a lot of great, you know, great value. He still gives them pretty good value. I mean, his num his numbers are pretty good for where he where he was drafted. He's just not, it seems, uh, you know, a number one receiver. But there's other things at play here. You know, how long the line's protecting, what Daniel Jones is seeing. It's um, it's all these other problems that the offense has that kind of tie in um, tie into you know their overall struggles offensively. Yeah. Um, all right. We can, we can wrap up here. So you kind of alluded to it, but what, so what is your prediction considering all the information you have now? Obviously I'm sure it's changed since you sent in your pick for the week. Yeah. What did I say? 28, 14. I'll probably just subtract some from the giants and add some there to the, uh, to the Browns. I'll go 35 to 10, you know, so take four off the giants, add seven to the Browns. Browns cover easily. I guess the line six last time I checked, maybe. I imagine that'll pro- that'll probably keep going up. I imagine. Yeah, it will. So uh, consider yourself fortunate if you get, if you You've got, got it in, early lines. Yeah, yeah with three when it was at three or four. I think it opened at three. So um, yeah, that's what I see. I just don't see any way. 
that the Giants can pull this one off, pull this rabbit out of their hat. And yeah, it opened at three. So right now I guess it's six, but you know, with Jones's status, you expect that to go up, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't know about you, but I don't see it. Yeah. I, I, uh, when I, when they asked me earlier on that Cleveland episode, I, I said 31 to 13, I, I probably would have had it a little bit closer without all the extenuating circumstances from today and the Daniel Jones ankle. Um, but yeah, I just don't see any way that, I mean, Joe judges has done a good job of having them competing, but like they, they put up a stinker last week and that was without, that was with James Bradbury and, you know, with a, with the Daniel Jones on one leg. So I don't know. I, I just, it feels like a blowout and, you know, we might have to start getting our off season posts ready. I would say. We already wrote half those darn things because they were 0 and 5 and 1 and 7. <laughs> <It was laughs> no kidding, man. That they were, uh, you know, in the toilet basically. And, you know, to their credit, got it together. And the bottom line, I think this team has one good win. I mean, that that's the next step for the Giants, right? So if they, if they win, say six or seven games, you know they're probably not beating the Ravens. So say they beat the, they lose this game, lose the Ravens, beat the Cowboys, finish six and ten. Okay, debut year for Judge. Maybe Gettleman stays, maybe he doesn't. The Jones injury maybe gives him a little bit of a pass and an excuse here at the end of the year. But I mean, if you look at the six wins the Giants will have had, you're talking about you know beating Washington twice, beating the Eagles once, uh, beating uh, the uh, the Cowboys once. And then the other ones are uh, Bengals and Seahawks. So really no impressive wins. I know division wins are important, but no impressive wins there except Seattle. So that's the next step for this team. And I think I did a post coming out of one of the games earlier this year about how few teams the Giants have beaten that have winning records during this downturn ever since 2016, 2017, 18, 19, 20, really four down years. Um they have not been able to beat good teams. It's probably really easy to go back and look at how many wins because they have so few wins, how many teams they've beaten that have winning records. It's not very many, uh, not very many. So to take the next step, they need to start beating teams like the Seahawks more consistently. And, and maybe they prove us all wrong and win these next two games somehow, some way. And that's a huge step. And, uh, shoot, man. I mean, if they, if they, (laughs) if they went out and go eight and eight, win the division, uh, you know, I think, that is uh, then you're you're feeling really good about Joe Judge considering the limitations, but I just don't see it. I don't see it. I mean, if they win this game, then we just have to throw all of our preconceived notions out the window. I'd say because um, that that would just be a bonkers win. It, it would be the Browns not showing out more than the Giants. And like, you know what? They, I suppose awesome if, idea. if yeah. the old demons come back, uh, you know, and the factory of sadness reignites uh, <laughs> its production, uh, the Browns aren't in the playoffs yet. They're not in the playoffs yet. <laughs> so one thing I was talking to my buddy in Cleveland, and I said, "Ma'am, imagine if the Browns missed the playoffs." <laughs> he goes, I, "He goes, I know. They they're nine and four. They just I'm lost." Sure people in Cleveland are like, "Yeah, I can't imagine that." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can. They won four straight games. They lose to the Ravens, and then they close with they close with this stretch: Giants, Jets, Steelers. Okay? Oh my god! Yeah. So, Giants and Jets back to back. Right. So they you figure okay. You win these two games, you have 11 wins. You lose to the Steelers, you're, you're obviously fine with 11 wins. You're not missing the playoffs with 11 wins. But um, Giants-Jets, imagine that. You know, imagine the Browns. <laughs> the Jets get their first win against the Browns? <laughs> Look, I, don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. But uh, the NFL's it, weird, would be, man. it would be something if they if they went 0-2 in this stretch. Uh, that, make, that makes me – the whole thing about the Browns, that makes me, I just remember something that when I, I covered an Eagles-Browns preseason game in – 2018 i believe and in like the the media room where like the food is i think they had a 
had like a little mini fridge. I forget if they were sponsored by Pepsi or Coke, but like the, the, the mini fridge was locked and they, and it would only unlock when they got like their first win or whatever it was. Light thing. So <laughs> yeah, Bud Light. that's right. That was Bud Light. Yeah. Bud Light promotion. And I was there the night they unlocked the fridge. It oh, was, that's funny. It was Baker. It was, it was the game where the jets collapsed. It was Mayfield's rookie year. Tyrod Taylor gets the concussion. Mayfield comes in. I, I forget how much the Jets were leading by. Um, Mayfield comes in, and it was an absolutely bonkers game. And he leads him to the win, and the Jets collapsed 2018. It was sort of the beginning of the end for Todd Bowles. I think that was week three that year. And that snapped that's some funny. like insane losing streak that they had. Yeah, that's funny. So it was the same year that I saw that, yeah. That's, yes, that's exactly. Hilarious. The fridge was there that year, and it was a, the bottom. I don't even know how I remember that, honestly, but just hearing talk about the Brad's misery made me – I don't know what it was the promo, and I don't know what – they weren't giving out Bud Light in the press box. I know. I know what, the, what the heck, yeah. <laughs> so, but, yeah, that was that was, that was was the first time Baker Mayfield stepped on the field. He had a really good rookie year. There you go. Cut, sort of went downhill last year with Freddie Kitchens and has really done this year in year three what the Giants need Daniel Jones to do next year in his third season. So, um, I mean, I, so, somehow, some way, I have a feeling a lot of Giants fans are going to be drinking Bud Light Sunday night or something to either celebrate or drown their sorrows. So, or support, or support your local brewery if you can. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, that's a good note to wrap up on. Uh, go crack open a beer. Uh, I'm sure we will. Um, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. We'll get you guys another episode next week. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, we're on, we're on most of the major apps. Uh, leave us a review, subscribe to our tech service, nj.com slash text. And, uh, we'll hit you guys back up with another episode sometime next week. I'm sure something crazy will happen. 